here in the Hive Studios, recording a Philippi Conversations podcast, drinking some pour overs, which is great. I'm here with two good buddies of mine. Uh, I'd love to introduce Trevor Hanks. Trevor, say what's up. Hello, everybody. And Mitch Connell. What is up? Some some good dudes here. And we are going to talk this morning about the subject of worship music. Uh, and that might bleed into different areas, and I'm totally okay with that. We will just go kind of wherever it goes. But between the three of us, I think we have something like 45 years of leading worship, mm-hmm. I would imagine. I think I've been doing it for about 15 years. You've probably been doing it for about 15, 15 years, I would imagine. Right probably the same. Pretty similar. So, uh, so we have lots of experiences, and we have lots of opinions, which means we don't know anything. We just have a lot of feelings about things. Yes. Um, but the topic of worship music always interests me. I always think, um, you know, I'm, I don't know, I'm the kind of guy, maybe this is why I planted a church, I don't know, because I'm the kind of guy that just kind of looks at things and I go, why do we do it that way? And like, yeah. who decided that we do it that way? And um, part of the reason I like you guys is you're both kind of rebels. Um, <laughs> like, you're both kind of the guys that like, you know, like to, to stir the pot a little bit. And uh, and you like to think outside the bun. I don't know if I should take offense <laughs> to that or be super proud of it. I'm, I'm all the way proud of that. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm in. Well, <laughs> usually worship leaders tend to be the kind of guys that are like, you know, uh, I don't want to do it a certain way. I want to be creative and, and think mm-hmm. outside the box. So, so take, take pride in it. But anyways, uh, having said that, uh, I'm excited to talk about worship and really, I don't have a super big agenda, but what I would like to do is to dive into the subject of why the heck do we do it this way? Is it the right way? Uh, what are the values in the way that we lead worship? And maybe what are there things that, that could change or, or should change? But before we get into that, I'd love our, our audience to get to know you guys a little bit and your experiences. Um, I don't necessarily want to go into your whole life story, um, but I, what I'd love to hear is kind of your journey in leading worship and uh, what, what some of the things that you have done in worship and music are, just kind of a, a brief uh, summary of your life events, how you got here. Um, I know, you know, not all of us are actively full-time leading worship. Mitch, you are full-time worship pastor and youth pastor at Heritage. Trevor, you had been recently full-time mm-hmm. leading worship at uh, Edgewater, but now you're pursuing music. Mm-hmm. And then I was uh, the former worship pastor at Heritage and now church planter, so, but I still lead from time to time. Having said that, Trevor, why don't you start off, man, just tell us a little bit about your music journey, your worship journey, and uh, kind of some of your experiences that have shaped you as a worship leader. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been I've been playing music for, I mean, since I was 10. Uh, rock and roll has always been a big thing, big passion of mine. I think that that's my, in a sense, my mentality is, is kind of rock and roll. You and I actually did, your band and yeah, our we band played, together. played a show together like what was that, like 15 years ago or something? Something like that, yeah. Like we were both in high school, I think. Yeah, And so we were fun. a screamo band. You guys were like a post-hardcore band. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lots yeah. of rowdiness. So that's how we first met. In fact, you guys broke our bass amp. And <laughs> that sounds like Didn't oh, even offer sense. to fix it. And we like you forever were the, you were the guys that broke our bass amp. Because we didn't really know you. We were just like, you're that band that broke our bass amp. And we were, all, we were all poor and you know we couldn't fix it. But not that I'm holding yeah, yeah. a grudge against you. Right? I've totally <laughs> forgiven you. <laughs> oh, Anyways. thank God. Okay, continue Blessings. on. No, uh... Yeah, so just I, you know, like I said, rock and roll, and then uh, once, uh, shoot, I think I was like nineteen, maybe twenty. Um, I just kind of pulled away from from the band I was in. Didn't really want to do it anymore. And then uh, maybe like two, three weeks later, I I attended Edgewater, and somehow the the high school worship or the high school pastor at the time, uh, Jason Patton. Somehow he heard my name and he was just like, hey, man, you want to do worship with me? And I'm like, actually, no, that's the last thing I want to do right now. <laughs> and uh, and so I don't know why, but he kept like 
he was persistent, just kept, hey, man, every week, you want to do worship? Want to do worship? And then finally, I was just like, wow, this guy is so cool. Like, he, he, I'm, he knows, obviously, who I am, but he's probably heard the things that, you know, I was into and did, and, and he still just doesn't care, and he's wanting to, like, pursue me like Jesus does. And I just, I was blown away by that. So that just kind of made me like, yep, I'm in, let's do it. And so that was around 20 years old. And I've just kind of been doing worship ever since. Um, every now and again, you know, I, I did like an album eight years ago, um, but it's not even on iTunes or anything anymore. Uh, I forgot to pay my, my fee. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, it's, not uh, rock and, it's not rock and roll to pay fees. Yeah, <laughs> I know, true, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then, and then uh, I worked at River Valley here in town for a little while. And then I worked, uh, I just uh, stopped working at Edgewater uh, a few months ago, um, all just doing worship. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Question for you. Yeah. Is there any, was there any part of you when you got to Edgewater mm-hmm. that didn't want to do worship because of the stigma that worship music has, or perhaps it was way more boring to do than what you were previously doing in your band? Well, it's, I've, I've always thought worship music is boring. Um just style wise, stylistically. I mean, this I think is good some discussion. Of the, this is great. I, I think want, some of I the words, the yeah, yeah. The words, the words are great. Some of the words are great. Um, but I think that I had this mentality that, oh man, it is kind of boring stylistically. I could maybe help change that. And for a long time, I, you know, did that or tried that. Um, but you know, I don't think it's a, it's, it seems as if I could be wrong, but it seems as if it's, you know, it has to kind of be vanilla a little bit. You um, have to be able to play four chords only with a capo for it to yeah, be a worship yeah. song. There can be a fifth chord every once in a while, but <laughs> exactly. it just can't be like prominent. But this is important, Sam. Remind me to talk about this later because there was a shift eventually, and we'll get to this um, with my like the way I view worship music. Because when you're young, you're a musician, you're in a rock band or whatever, you want to be different, you want to be right. edgy. And so you look at worship music and you go, gosh, those songwriters are horrible. They all sound the same. <laughs> but then you realize that there's a purpose. And, and right. Chris Tomlin and Matt Redman, all these guys that have been writing worship songs for, I don't know, longer than we've been alive. Yeah. They're actually really good at what they do. They are. And they write their songs for a very specific purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been fun to kind of learn why they do that and kind yeah. of get in the congregation to sing yeah. and yeah. writing songs that are really easy to sing on purpose. Absolutely. Um, so what, what was your, Mitch, what was your journey um, in sort of, you know, the abbreviated version of your, the devel- development as a worship leader? How did you get into it and start doing it? Yeah. Um, similar, similar thing, man. In high school, we were in a rock band and uh, we were called Uncut Faith, which is like the worst name ever. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was like the raw, edgy faith, you know? Uh, and, and again, that was our journey, right? We wanted to be different. We wanted to be new. And um, eventually, me and two of my best friends got a call from this worship leader that was going to be leading worship at a camp. So we just started working with him. I was playing bass. I'd never really done it before, but we just spent three summers in a row with this worship leader. And I just loved it, man. Soaking up everything he did, watching Mm -hmm. his every move, how he led the band. I still do the same exact things that he did to lead us with a a band uh, on Sunday mornings. And it was just so cool because the Lord would just show up in amazing ways in those worship sets, right? And, And all these kids that are just hungry and, and thirsty for more of Jesus and meeting the Lord. And it was just such a rad time. So we did that for a few summers and that was really my introduction to worship music as a whole. Um, besides my mom singing on Sunday mornings, 
And just a side note, and like when I was 12, we did like a duet, me and my mom, on a Sunday morning at church. Oh, wow. It was pretty cool. That is cool. regardless. Yeah. Uh, so it's been in my family forever. But then when I was 18, my friend Stephen uh, was leading worship at a small little church and starting a youth group. And I was going to college, and he's like, hey, man, you want to come intern at this church and help me lead worship and, and start this youth group? So I felt like the Lord was telling me to do it, so I just dropped out of college and kind of got plugged in with the local church in a way I hadn't up to that point. And uh, just been doing it ever since, really. It's awesome, dude. Nice. And, and you are vocationally doing it. So it's full time yeah. for you. And uh, and that was what is it? Been two years now that you've been been doing that full time. I know you were you had done it before that, you know, as well. Um, yeah, vocationally, but at Heritage, yeah, a uh, year. Oh, it's been it's only been a year since you left. Yeah, because yeah, you took my, oh, wow. my you took my job when I left. That's right. Yeah, yeah. For <laughs> me. Um, See, for me, I was a band guy. It's I, I'm noticing a theme here. Yeah. Like we were all band kids, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and by band, I don't mean like flute and trombone. Like oh, we no, were all no, like, no, We no. were like in rock bands. Uh, band kids make the best. Uh, they make the best worship team members. Or the um, worst. Or the worst, from a character standpoint, <laughs> perhaps. Um, anyways, uh, but yeah, I was that guy with long hair and tight pants and uh, screamed and played drums and everything. And so... Um, at one point, I you know picked up a guitar, learned three chords, and uh, I was working at a camp. Um, and instantly, um, the camp director was like, "Hey, I want you to go lead a song tonight. I only need one song. <laughs> I think it was like um, Lord, I lift your name on high, Holy Fire, or something like that. <laughs> oh, I don't yeah, know, nice. some terrible, you know, some terrible early two thousands song. Like anyway, song oh, I mean, no, yeah, that's <laughs> a great, that's a great song, uh, right? If you have a soul patch, anyways." Um, <laughs> It's mine's mine's somewhere in this mess. Not there's anything wrong with that. Uh, anyways, he, you know, he's like, "Hey, go ahead and lead in front of these 600 kids uh, in the amphitheater." I was like, "Are you kidding me? I barely even know what I'm doing." And so, so I did that, and instantly was like, "Oh, okay, this this is cool." And then that kind of became sort of my access point into ministry um, because everyone's always looking to hire a worship guy because they're hard to find, and so uh, everybody would give me a job only because I knew how to play worship. Um, they didn't really care if I had. <laughs> any credential or spiritual maturity or anything. They're like, you can play worship, join our church and work on staff. And so that was kind of the way it worked for me for a long time. And, uh, but yeah, but it's been interesting developing that thinking of what worship leading is and coming at it from a perspective originally of it, this is just a music thing to this is something much more than music. And then music right. is just a vehicle, you know, for, um, for something greater. So what do you guys think, um, what do you think that the purpose, and maybe this is an obvious question, but maybe it'll get some good conversation going. What do you think that the purpose of congregational worship is, and is there in any way, have we at all erred, do you think, from its maybe intended purpose um, in our experience sort of in Western Christianity? And Trevor, maybe you could take a stab at that one. So what is the purpose of worship, and have we in any way maybe strayed from that purpose? Um, I think I think the I mean, the main, per for me, I, and that's the thing, I think it, I think it can, can be subjective and it's okay, but I think it's, uh, if I, I know for me, it's very much just the, the power of singing is, it does two things. It, it, one, it, first and foremost, it just, it elevates the name of Jesus and at the same time, it just fills me with just, I don't know, everything that God, I guess, would want for me, which is you know, love and just peace and all that, you know, just, it, it simultaneously, it just kind of happens. Um, I, 
I think there's a benefit, obviously, nowadays. Obviously, you know, I think that there's, I would, I'm not going to say that there's, people don't worship <laughs> when, when you, you know, watch on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whatever it is. Like, people are obviously worshiping. Um, is it, is it, is it, is it, is the purpose of it being fulfilled? I don't, I don't know. That's a, that's a, it's a really interesting question. Yeah. It's probably multifaceted. I mean, yeah. You know, I, I think, it's, it's kind of hard for me, and part of the reason I find this subject in- interesting is because we actually don't really see a lot about this position yeah. or, this, or this function in the New Testament, right? Right. We see encouraging one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, which some people think that spiritual songs is actually referring to the books of the psalms, the three hymn books of the psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, unless I'm missing something and somebody can drop it in the comments below this video if I am, but if I'm missing something, there's not a ton about congregational singing, yet it really kind of feels like 50% of the pie of what we think about in terms of a Sunday morning experience, if you want to use that term. Right. So it's kind of interesting to me, like how it's found its way into being that. Um, and it's also interesting to me, we were talking about this before while we were making our coffee. Um, it's interesting to me how it's shifted from being something that sort of we all hear our collective voices mm-hmm. um, because we're all singing one song to we hear a few voices coming through speakers. Yeah. Um, and then sort of, we just kind of have this individual experience versus a congregational experience. And I've always kind of wrestled. I don't think that necessarily one is evil or one is, is better or whatever. I understand that there was a shift in, in the worship world, at least in mainstream evangelical churches, from congregational singing more to um, maybe stage-centric, stage-led singing. And, 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 and the purpose of that was more to create the individual experience in the auditorium or whatever, where it's sort of you and the Lord, and you, you can sing as loud as you want, and no one's going to hear you because the speakers and some people really love that There's mm-hmm. things I love about that. But um, I guess I'm just kind of looking for like, well, why do we do it the way that we do it? Is there value in it? Which I'm sure that there is. Have you ever considered or thought about it before? Mitch, what do you think? Uh, what are some of your thoughts about, about worship as a whole in, in the Western kind of culture? Yeah, for sure. Well, one of the things us worship leaders like to do is talk about how worship is more than music, right? Like you hear that all the time, like everything we do in our daily lives um, can be offered up as worship to the Lord. But us on the, at this table, like like you're saying with singing, it's just, there. it's liberating, it's, it's freeing. It's, freeing yeah. it's, it's so awesome to just be able to use this gift of music to worship the Lord in this unique way. And I mm-hmm. think that's, you know, all of us are, again, drawn to music in one way or another, but that's what's so cool about worship music uh, is that understanding first and foremost that it's a gift, right? Like this is art that God has uh, given to man. It's this gift and, and this art that God allows man to create and partake in and such a such an amazing thing. I love it to death, which is, um, which is, I think leads to Sunday mornings being so awesome and why, like, I think this has shaped some of our culture and worship leading um, is understanding that, hey, we have this gift from the Lord and this is just such an awesome, freeing and fun way that we get to exalt Jesus mm-hmm. and, and give like whatever we can back to him, right? Just lifting up our voices and allowing like everything we are to just spill out um, as we, as we kind of gather and as we sing and as we worship. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think for whatever reason, that's just sticking in my mind right now. Like yeah. understanding first and foremost, this first and foremost, that this is a gift from the Lord and an expression, yeah. like something we get to do. Yeah. Um, 
and I agree. pour back out to the Lord. So, and music, yeah. I mean, music itself is something God obviously created. Yeah. And, and anytime we take something God created and we use it to glorify him, that's beautiful, right? And then when we're, you know, add another layer to that, when we're singing eternal truths mm-hmm. through a vehicle of something that he's created, um, so we're giving glory to him both with our minds and the expression of our bodies, that's beautiful. Um, but, you know, I can do that in my car, yeah. Right. I mean, I can do that in my stereo, and that's and that's oftentimes how people I think right now in this particular moment think about worship, which is why they get mad at you when you're the guy on stage singing the song they don't like in the way they don't like because they go, well, in my car I can turn on the car, I can turn on the song I like, and I can sing along with it. So mm-hmm. why? Why? I mean, is there is there more to it than that individual experience? Yeah. Let me let me speak into that, man, because I was sharing this with you guys a little bit before we started um, before we started this, but. I've, I've typically been one of those guys, um, probably because I'm a musician and I'm critical of everybody else playing, uh, where I'll, I'll have like my most intense worship times, if you would, in my car, listening mm-hmm. to a, a record uh, by myself, right? That's been my go-to, uh, and that's worked for a long time, uh, but what I wasn't seeing necessarily was the value of singing with a, a big group of people. Obviously, I know that that's valuable, uh, but I was still worshiping the Lord uh, more, if you would, in my car by myself. And so with this whole COVID-19, like quarantine thing. Wait, what? what's COVID-19? Oh, you haven't did heard? I, did I miss something? Oh. We're six feet apart, right? Sorry. Yeah, we are. Yeah, absolutely. Six feet. Yeah. yeah. It's like some flu thing. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm going to get, I'm gonna get <laughs> in trouble for that one probably. <laughs> get, I'll edit all this out. I was trying to be, I was trying to be funny and it, it didn't really work. Just but. with this whole quarantine thing, man. <laughs> You guys, you guys probably know, like what I ended up, what ended up happening is that we were just singing into a camera, right? Like leading worship and nobody else was singing for us, particularly at Heritage. We were chilling in our building, our office building called The Hub, and we didn't have monitors. And so I was like, hey, I'm singing really quietly. Mm -hmm. So nobody else should sing because I won't be able to hear myself, right? I don't have any monitors or anything. So everybody's like, okay. So then what worship sets became is just me, super quiet, just sitting there by myself, which in the past, that's how it's been worship wise, right? Like that's, that's the times where I felt like were the best worship times for me. And, uh, I found that it was extremely lacking in many ways. Primarily, uh, what I miss the most is hearing other people's voices Oh yeah, yeah and sure. the power of uh, a, a congregation of people all lifting up the name of Jesus together, right? Mm-hmm. The unity in that, the fellowship in that, uh, the beauty in not just one voice or not just my own time, but it really made me see the value of like everybody coming together and and singing one song, lifting up the name of Jesus. So yeah. that that's what kind of this COVID-19 thing has allowed me to see, yeah. which has been awesome. That's good. That's money. Yeah. I think it's amazing if you think about the fact that um, one of the one of the deepest realities I think of the Christian um, experience is that we actually become one not only with Christ but subsequently with each other, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a mystery. It's a theological reality that that we sort of um, you know we 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 bat at it. We go, oh yeah, okay, we're all one, you know, even though we all fight and bicker like families do, but we're all one. We're all part of this one spiritual organism, which is called the church, the bride of Christ. But I think there's very few moments in the the expression of the church where we can actually feel that. And I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you're singing the same song everyone else is singing. 
And whether you can hear the congregation or whether you hear the speakers, it doesn't always matter because I've had both experiences. I remember being at, uh, you guys remember um, Battle Cry? Remember oh, yeah. the, the big, massive youth event called Battle Cry? And they packed like thousands and thousands and thousands of kids into the San Francisco Giants Stadium. And I think Delirious was leading us in worship. Nice. It's classic, right? And then, and then we were singing, um, oh, what is there? Uh, did you feel the mountains tremble? Oh, okay. And Great when they song. hit the chorus, they're like, okay, everybody's going to jump up and down. And we're all in high school, right? But everybody in the stadium is jumping up and down. And you start to feel the whole stadium moving like yeah. this. And it was so funny. The next day, I think it was... Uh, um, I don't remember who, who the guy that runs it is now. Anyways, he was like, yeah, I was talking to the general manager and I asked him, uh, is that okay that the entire second row of the outdoor stadium is moving? He's like, I don't know. It's never done that before because people don't jump them down at baseball games, right? But it was like, I still remember it. Like it's, just, it's just like ironed into my memory, the feeling of being part of yeah. hundreds of thousands of people proclaiming the glory mm-hmm. of Christ. And I understand that's a concert venue and I understand that, that that there's feelings you can get at being in a rock concert. But regardless, we've all had that experience whether it was in a room of 10 people. Um, like one of my favorite moments at Heritage was when me and the worship team would be backstage and before we would come out, we would start singing worship right before because I found that we could sort of break into that place of worship before we even got on stage, it was better. And man, just like goosebumps the whole time hearing like five part harmonies in the back room with all of us singing the same thing. It's just one of the few things I can think of in Christianity where we can actually feel like we are all one spiritual organism as we declare one truth that we all agree on. You know, I mean, there's a lot of case to be made, I think, for some of the liturgical stuff where people would recite things, mm-hmm. you know, the creeds or, or sort of responsive readings, because hearing the voice of the congregation all declaring the same truth at the same time, I think there's there's power in that. I don't there think is. It's very expressive. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I know for me, one of my favorite times ever and always will be in worship is when I'll pull like my in, one of my inners out and then I just hear people singing. Yeah. And I love backing away like if, if, if we're singing like something like How Great Is Our God, which is that song's going to go, you know, that for until the end of time is going to yeah, be totally. <laughs> a, a powerful locked, worship song. In. It is, yeah. And so I, I just love when I, you know, sing that chorus again, guys, or whatever. And then, you know, pulling my inner out, I'll just back away from the mic and I don't even sing. And then just, because like for me, I, like I'm, I'm. I've noticed a lot, especially with the culture that we're in now, as far as worship goes. It's very much, um, and I'm not saying this is bad or anything like that, but like whoever's on stage, a lot of them are actually like deep in, like they're ju- they're just worshiping, which is great. Um, but something, I mean, maybe it's a little old school or whatever. But like you know, I think it seems like a lot of people forget that they're they're leading people too, right. and so yeah. And so for me, like where my, I guess, where my time with the Lord, where, where my time of worship came was when I was like putting set lists together. Um, you know, it's it's worship music. It's easy. Just, I mean, I can have five songs in two minutes, no problem. Yeah. But uh, I think that that's just kind of, yeah, you're, you're kind of miss. For me, it, in yeah. my opinion, you're, you're missing the mark a little bit. I love I love being able to spend time with the Lord and Lord, like what what songs do you want your kids to sing this week you know what what is like what's what do you want and uh and then so for me like i would practice those songs and that would be like my own time of worship for that so that when it came time for sunday morning yes i was still worshiping but like it's like we talked about earlier you know it's like there's there's tons of facets of what worship looks like and so for me i i i love worshiping by listening to a sea of people just singing 
something like how great is our God? Totally. Because it's, it's just powerful. And I think yeah. especially a song like that, because, and I'm not, I'm not dissing, I hope for whoever's listening, they don't hear it as, like, as I'm dissing or anything like that. But I think that a lot of our, our worship tunes nowadays, they come from this place of, and I'm, again, I'm not saying this is bad, but they come from this place of like struggle, um, which is fine. David did that, obviously. He lamented yeah. and, you know, and there's, there's obviously a, a place for that. But I think, and, and this is again, just my opinion, but when you're, when you're so focused on like the goodness of God, and just regardless of the situation or the circumstance, when you're focused on that, all of that stuff just seems to go away. I know it does for me. Like when I just focus on like the cross or like how good God is, regardless of what I'm going through in life or whatever it is, all of my problems just, they just tend to just shrink yeah. totally. and they just go away. And so it's yeah. like, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I rabbit trail a lot, but one of the greatest things about worship is it gets your eyes off of yourself. Mm-hmm. Whether that's singing with a congregation and you realize, like, wow, I'm I'm part of something so much bigger. We're unified here in the faith, like as you said, proclaiming 100%. truths about the Lord. And then also, yeah, I totally agree, man. And and I actually fall into that pitfall a lot when I'm writing music. I was joking with a buddy that's a worship leader yesterday. And I was like, man, I don't know why, but all my songs lately have been like, Lord, I'm in the desert. Yeah. Please <laughs> rescue me. Uh-huh. Everything's falling. Yeah. Um, and then we determined that it might be because I have three young kids running around the house. And when my kids <laughs> leave the house, I'll probably be singing like, oh, yes, I'm God, just resting good. in your presence and peace right now. Uh, but yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned that. The Corona Psalms. <laughs> Corona Psalms. <laughs> we'll, call, we'll call them the Corona Psalms. Oh, that's funny. Well, the, and, the, and the Psalms are filled with all of it. And that's, you know, I, yeah. I get a lot of people being like, you know, why why don't we just sing songs that are declarative? Why are we singing songs that are about how we feel? I don't care about how we feel. And I go, yeah, I get that. I hear that. Um, I mean, there's certainly, you know, the songs that are declaring eternal truths of God certainly lift me out of my own um, kind of narcissistic, you know, right. um, self-obsessed, self-loathing, whatever states. At the same time, the Psalms have all of it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a place for all of it. I think totally. lam- lament is part of the Psalms. I think Absolutely. I think that you know the Psalms are basically prayers put to music, and that's what they were. You know, and and and, and prayers are honest, and sometimes we need to sing honest things. And you could say, well, you know, like why are all these worship songs so personal? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, well, that that's what a lot of the songs were that they sang, that the, the Jewish people sang. And by the way, you know, how do we get the case for worship? Maybe we should kind of answer that a little better. Um, largely, it's from the Old Testament. Yeah. We don't have a lot in the New Testament about worship, but I think we do in the Old Testament. And I think that worship was intrinsically stitched into the fiber of the day-to-day culture of Jews and into their worship expression as they would go up to the temple. They would sing the Psalms of Ascent. Mm-hmm. Uh, for feasts, they would sing particular songs. If you look at the coronation of the temple with Solomon, he had particular, uh, the sons of uh, Asaph, yeah. you know, were the, the leader, the worship leaders of that day. And it was, it was, it was a huge part of their celebratory expression of worship to Yahweh. And and just because that's in the Old Testament doesn't mean that it doesn't necessarily apply. And I'd be curious to see, I think in the New Testament, they probably still sang and still continue that Jewish expression of worship. And they probably didn't feel like they needed to talk about it because yeah. it was sort of just part of the culture. I'm sure Paul sitting around a, a fire with Barnabas and Titus and Timothy, they would be singing hymns. Mm-hmm. Psalms, right? I mean, that would be the reality. Uh, I'm sure that Jesus, um, and I can't be adamant about it, I'm sure Jesus would have led his disciples in songs and they would have been the Psalms of the Old Testament, which was their hymn book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and he, yeah, he did that right after, or, you know, right after the Last Supper. 
So totally. Like, yeah. Know, they sang a song, which is part, part of the Passover feast, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, I think it's kind of fun to note. Like I think worship changed as far as music, if you will. Uh, I think it changed in, from the old, like obviously we're not in old Testament days right now. You know, we live, you know, Jesus came back, but like, I look at, I just look at like Exodus, uh, where is it here? Exodus 15. It's like Moses and Miriam's song um, to God. And it's, it's like, it's powerful stuff. Like I, I have this highlighted and I, I talk about it whenever I talk about worship. Cause I just think it's so, it's so honestly incredible. And it's, <laughs> there's this line that just says uh, in the gener, or, I'm sorry, in the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. And this is my favorite line. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. And like, I, I remember <laughs> I was sharing that in like a youth group. I think I may have shared it on a Sunday morning, but I like broke it. I'm like, think about that for a second, you guys. God literally snot rocketed the Egyptians and the Jews were free. Like, how cool is that? And then, you know, but it, but it comes from this place of like deliverance, almost like right. lamenting. Right. And then you, you, you fast forward, you know, to the New Testament and to like verses, you know, like passages like Colossians 3.16 where it just kind of, it gets lumped in as like, as teaching almost. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's profound. Worship is, yeah. is heavy stuff, it, but it's very mysterious too. Right. Um, cause it's, cause at the same time, like it can be, it's obviously for a congregation, right? but it also, it's very, very personal. It is. It's both, you know? And I'm actually, I'm super thankful for the eclectic dysfunctionality of the church in our weird seasons. I mean, do you know what I mean by that? Like, like throughout church history, there's always been a generation that goes, this is how we do it. Yeah. And then it's fruitful and God blesses it. And then it starts to get stagnant and stale. And then something new comes and it's fresh. And then everybody thinks the new and the fresh is evil because we need to do it the way we used to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, AKA people that are mad at us for singing choruses instead of mm-hmm. hymns which, or whatever. And, and to those people, I go, you know, it's funny. Like, I think every generation God has had a different. Um, just a different, beautiful way for his church to sing. And it's funny too that like the people have a problem sometimes with sort of the pop feel or the rock feel of some of the newer worship music that's coming out. And I go, you know, the hymns were put to bar tunes. Yeah. Like, do you know that? I mean, they, they literally took bar tunes that everybody knew and they put theology to the bar tunes so that mm-hmm. people could sing them. So I'm like, I just don't think there's a, a there's a case for that. And, and honestly, at one point, so <laughs> you sing them with a beer in your hand, right? Exactly. At, at one point, um, the hymns were actually the cutting edge. Yeah. At one point, the hymns were actually intruding, you know? Um, so it's just, it's just funny, but I'm thankful that we have um, these different expressions, these different types of worship, because I think as soon as we sort of say, oh, we have to only sing psalms, or we have to only sing hymns, or we have to only, you're actually missing out on some of the, um, the yeah. multifaceted, I think, beauty of God's expression of worship. Absolutely. Yeah, if I can piggyback off that too, just kind of getting a little bit practical. I think you talked about putting together worship set and we have, you know, so many songs to choose from all the way back from hymns mm-hmm. to like modern day hymns to Will Regan, United Pursuit, which sing like 10 words in a whole song, right? Yeah. So you have this whole gambit of songs to choose from. And I think all of us have probably been to that spot where one, we acknowledge that songs can be a proclamation of truth, a moment for teaching. Mm-hmm. And Mark Driscoll, love him or hate him, uh, he said something that I'm sure has been said many times before, but hey, he said, man, the value of music is is so real. If you ask somebody to recite their favorite sermon, they can't, right? Exactly. But if you ask somebody to, to tell you the lyrics of their favorite song, uh, there's something about music that allows truth to stick into the mind. Like, yep. 
I don't know about, I think Sam and I have learned so much theology from Shailin in our lifetimes because uh, Shailin is a rapper, right? And he just writes the sickest songs and they're just biblical and deep and it's awesome. So we have that opportunity to teach um, biblical truth about the Lord in worship songs. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's so funny, leaving room for both sides of this, why we can't sing just hymns. I think we've probably all been in this situation where we've sung like three really wordy songs back to back, and the congregation's like, (laughs) so tired. Like, that was like 7,000 words and three songs. We need a little break, right? So you -hmm. you have these really wordy songs, um, like the Phil Wickham song that's, uh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm spacing on it right now. Which one? Uh, living Hope, right? Yeah. Phil Wickham's song, Living Hope, there's so many words, but it's so theologically rich. And you're like, yes, that's awesome. And then as soon as you come out of that song, you're like, man, I, I, I think there's an opportunity to like soak in one truth for a little bit that I can piggyback off of and not sing a song with three million words. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool. Like you get these really hefty songs with a bunch of lyrics, very valuable. And then you get these other songs where you're, you're singing the one thing over and over again. It's repetitive. And some people hate it because they're like, you're not singing any words. Yeah. But you're soaking in that truth and allowing Absolutely. it to be like ingrained in your mind and heart as you're lifting up to the Lord. I, I think you guys are right. And there's, there's room for both. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it has been, we're kind of blessed now. We have so many decades of worship songs to choose from. And some of my favorite things to do is just yeah. to to be picking songs from different eras, like some wordy, some not, and bringing them all together thematically. And that's what's fun, I think, about it, is like, we, I think, you know, whatever generation you live in, you live in like the coolest time, because you have, we do have all those songs to pick. And it's so fun to like weave them, because, you know, there's rich history in some, and then there's like these new ones, where it's just super, super cool. And I think that, I don't know, I, I used to be at a point in my life where I was like, you know what? It, like I'm not going to sing these kind of songs, but a lot of them are just personal and you know, the people write them and because they're, they're feeling a certain way and they want to express it. And it's like, who am I to say that you can't express yourself to God? Like, like that's the dumbest thing I think I could ever do. But I also think, you know, I also have to realize that like, well, that person's taste isn't my taste and that's sure. okay. Like everybody has their own relationship yeah. with the Lord. So I find it interesting that the things that seem to divide the church the most also seem to be the things that are the most effective and powerful. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think worship for whatever reason, I mean again, I've been a worship leader for 10, 15 years now and it's like it's the it's it's the main thing people argue about. Yeah, you know, is. like why well, why did you go to that church? Oh, we like the music. Oh, why did you not go there? Oh, we hate the music, you know. It's like it's it's too loud, it's too quiet. We don't like the songs. You should do hymns, you should not do hymns. You should blah 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 blah. Your blah, guitar blah. is shiny. Yeah, we won't <laughs> go there. Um yeah, you know, I've heard it all. Like I've literally heard it all. And so but it's always kind of funny to me because I'm like, this this should be the one thing we all agree on. Maybe not the style, but the mm-hmm. reality that that getting our affection on Christ, both physically and mentally and emotionally, the whole of our being onto the person of Christ and, and the glory of God should just be something that um, we all love, but it's something we all argue about. And I, th- I find that interesting. It's similar like with prayer. I think prayer is the hardest thing to get the church to do because mm-hmm. it's the most powerful thing the church can do. Mm-hmm. And the enemy knows that. And I think worship um, is, is one of the most powerful things we can do together as a congregation. Mm-hmm. But if we're all fighting about it the whole time, mm-hmm. then it it's no longer becomes effective. That's something that's, that's funny you talk about that. Cause that's something for a while now that, it's always just been on my heart is like, how do we, how do we break those walls down where it's like, you know, uh, Larry, whoever at 78 years old doesn't like the music cause it's might be loud or whatever. 
But then you got 20-year-old who is like, it's not loud enough. It needs to be way more rocking. You got to appease to like everybody. Um, I think it just, it kind of comes back to like love. Like if you're doing everything in love and it's like uh, some of the coolest opportunities I've had have started with people who are like, dude, like I, there was, there was one lady one time I had a mohawk <laughs> and, and the one time I'm not wearing a hat decide to like, you know, I guess rock my mohawk. And after the service, she literally came up to me and like to my face was like, you should not be leading worship with a mohawk. And I'm like, what? I'm like, show me the Bible verse that says that. And then like 15 minutes later, because I was just like, okay, you know what? How, okay, obviously she's not, maybe there's something. Maybe, I don't know, that I just don't see that, you know. And so, But after like 15 minutes, we just talk. And I just, I wanted to like, okay, hear her heart and why. And then we ended up being like, kind of great friends for the moment and then the next time i led she was just like that was the best thing ever and so i think it's like y- y- you have to approach everything in love obviously um music's the hardest thing because yeah. you have to appease so many people or please some well not please but it's just yeah it's hard yeah and it's i think it's a two-way street which is it hard is. i mean because you know it's easy for us as sort of the young guys that want to rock it up there you know to be like well you all just need to like you need to just die to yourself Get with the time. and be cool with our style, yeah. you know, and at the same time, it's like, well, are we honoring and respecting their tradition, you know, and, and it's just, a, it's a hard balance, but I think it's an opportunity actually for the church to show that we can actually um, submit to one another in love mm-hmm. um, as Ephesians would call us to do, to put each other's needs like Christ would to be a servant leader, not to roll over and just be like, um, you complaining person, you're going to get whatever you want all the time, but to to lovingly lead, you know, in that direction. Yeah. I want to talk about something else. Uh, I want to talk about songs that are anointed. Mm. Do you guys think that there is some reality to that? Because there there are songs, you mentioned one earlier, How Great Is Our God, uh, Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, someone disagreed with this, but How He Loves for me is one of those songs. It's like, that song was straight up anointed. Um, and I know that word, even anointed, maybe needs some definition, some clarifying, but but do you think there are literally songs that God just sort of like, I don't know, like took over and was like, I, this song needs to be in the church. And, and if so, what are some of those songs? If you even agree with that, I mean, you could push back on me on that if you disagree. Oh, I agree. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Next thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next subject. No. Yeah. There's always those anthems of the day, man. And, uh, you know, obviously this isn't like the, the Bible and like biblical inspiration. Sure, of course not. Yeah. Um, but, but what a cool thing that God would move in the hearts of his people um, to produce a song for his church at a specific time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, camps are probably the, the season where we see that most clearly because you'll just pick a song, right? And then you can see like the Lord working as you're singing this song. And so what do you do at a camp? Well, you sing it every set, right? Like, yeah. And it becomes the anthem for the summer. And I think we, I don't know, I bet everybody can think back on different seasons in their life with the Lord and a song will come to mind, right? Like all these old Hillsong songs when I was in high school and uh, Mm -hmm. from the inside out, like mighty to save. Those were just so epic in the day. And I think there, there has to be an aspect where the Lord who's obviously alive and and moving in his people and his church, like put his finger on it in a way like, yeah, this Mm -hmm. is going to be used for my glory. And people are going to sing this all over the world because yeah, most likely there's a timely aspect to that. I think there's some of it too is um, kind of the Ebenezer 
the Ebenezer, you remember that Joshua, so that God um, basically told them to put stones in the middle of the river and put stones on the side of the river so that they could always remember, every generation could remember. And some of the stones in the middle of the river, when the water would be low and there would be drought, they would remember God's faithfulness. Um, songs, I think, kind of like smells or mm. the different things, they trigger memories. So like even you just saying, mighty to save, gave me goosebumps because it just reminds me of how many moments I've had with the Lord and how many moments I've had in ministry and with his church that those songs were the soundtrack to, mm -hmm. you know? And so not only are the truths within him powerful, but even just the song itself represents something that God did. I think it's that way for a lot of people from the Jesus movement, you know, some of the old like 70s Christian music that, that I, I don't get it, but for them, it's like, man, that reminds me of the Chuck Smith days where we're all, you know, all the hippies and, and whatever. And, and for many people in our congregations, that are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, those hymns are that for them. Those hymns remind them of, 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 of particular graces of God in their seasons of life that, mm -hmm. that they just, they want to remember, you know? Um, and so, I mean, music, music is incredible. It is. You know, it's incredible. And it's something that is unexplainable through the sciences, right? Like there's no scientific explanation for why we know that certain notes go together and certain notes don't. Mm -hmm. you know and, uh, and and even the world gets that obviously you know but to, to be able to take something beautiful and then use it for its intended purpose it's the ultimate combination yep. you know Absolutely. I mean not not to uh, maybe this is a poor example but I think about human sexuality it's like God created this beautiful thing and then the world knows it's it knows it's good but the world has twisted it mm -hmm. um, but when you take something that was beautiful and you use it within the way god instructed it created it designed it and then for his glory it becomes even more beautiful and there are so many things like that thinking theology or you know all of these these different pieces of creation um so i just i'm thankful that god made it yeah, and that too. god and that, and that we can you know we can use it and i guess my prayer would be that we as churches can um, you know, continue to use it, but never continue to just take it for granted either. Mm -hmm. And always be looking, hey, Lord, what is the next season that you might have of worship? But we want to enjoy and swim in the one you've given us. Uh, I feel like personally, there there's going to be a flip soon into another maybe expression or another style uh, of worship music because we've kind of been sort of stuck in the one we've been in, I think, for a while. I mean, it's, it's morphed with pop culture and different things, but for the most part, you know, two verses, one chorus and a bridge, a couple electric guitars, at least in the, in the spheres we run in, you know, uh, if you listen to, you know, um, the Air One or whatever, you're going to hear a lot of the same type of songs you heard 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Hasn't really changed that much. Hill song, Hill song, Hillsong, Bethel, a lot of these, a lot of these people that are writing a lot of the music are writing a lot of the same kind of stuff, and even more yeah. the reform circles, Sovereign Grace. A lot of those guys are writing similar stuff. So I'm just kind of curious, like, is there another thing coming, another another style? What do you guys think about that? And are you going to write it? Are you going to be the one? Yeah, yeah you're the guy pursuing <laughs> music. No, dude. Honestly, here's the thing yeah, with music; it's interesting. Uh, what, like, what is there that's new? Right. right. It, I feel like it's almost like style with clothing right like what's in style right now it's like the 90s bro like it's yeah. cyclical it's coming back mm -hmm. which is horrible i grew up in the 90s i'm like we don't want to go back <laughs> wait, there you're wearing birkenstocks with sandals what's wrong with you oh wait that's in style <laughs> yeah. oh crazy yeah um so i don't know what's coming next and i wish i was creative and like on the front lines yeah. um but my assumption is it's going to be something that was cool like 30 years ago totally and it's coming back like like you do see more of these super wordy hymn-like songs coming back and people still writing those and they're awesome right mm -hmm. um 
so I don't know, man. It's so interesting, but it's going to be finding some some instrument that's been lying dormant in someone's closet. Right. And like, what is this thing? Like, what's the yeah. what is mm-hmm. that instrument that you hit? Like the Deucin. I don't know. Some Hammer cl- dulcimer. Yes, that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Deucin. I don't Hammer even know. Dulcimer. Yeah. It's the German version. I I wonder sometimes if if what what it could be is almost. You're, you're talking about bringing it back around to something, yeah. bringing it back around to the congregational singing. Mm. You know, I mean, it, it really kind of feels like there are the churches that have the production value. They have the budget to hire six musicians, 12 musicians, three sound guys. They have the multi-camera, multi-light, multi-everything. Yeah. And they're producing and really setting all of the, the tone. And then there's all the churches like us that are smaller. They're just kind of like, well, well, we'll try to do that. But in reality, we don't have a worship full-time worship pastor mm-hmm. we don't have you know and then they're just like trying to reproduce what these mega things are reproducing and what i loved about i think what was so pure about sort of the puritan and even the reformed um kind of even even back i don't know like 60 years ago in worship was that it was it was something anybody could lead at any time even without a stage or a microphone it was mm-hmm. like grab your hymnal we all know the song and what's so beautiful is getting hundreds of people singing the same song at the same time and that was what made it beautiful obviously there was choirs and all i know i know that production isn't evil and i know that complexity isn't evil but i wonder sometimes if there won't be a, a return back to some simplicity um, without the electric guitar i mean mitch trevor you and i we've all gone down the 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 gear and the like trying to make your songs better and your quality better it's just a bottomless pit and at the mm-hmm. end of the day your best sets are the ones where it's just you and a guitar yeah. and everybody's just singing because the holy spirit is working and and it's it's a pure expression you know yeah i think i think that's like as long as your your heart is that way I, you know it's as long as your heart is like i just want to worship the lord i want to sing you know it's like it's kind of like what matt redmond did when he came out with here i am to word no 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 heart of worship heart of worship you know it was i think that was that was like early that was like in the beginning of the 2000s and he noticed it then it was just like oh the church is making way too big of a deal of production and music and all this stuff and and it's all great you know it's it's it really is like when it's used right it can be used really really great yeah but i think heart of worship bringing it back to like okay what it, what it, what is this that i'm doing when the music fades and all is stripped away and i love what he did he just yeah. like went on stage and sang a cappella for a while right i was like hey we're gonna do this and i honestly think that sometimes church needs that it just to kind of like re, re like reformat your heart just kind of yeah. like oh what is it really about oh it's it's yeah. it's really about just coming before the lord and then when when the i think when that's always like in the the forefront of your mind then you can add like those things like the the right. you know, the big stages the lecture right. the bands and then it becomes something like that you can't stop which is yeah. rad yeah for me the question is i'm like have churches lost sight of that nowadays yeah. I don't know. Yes and no. I think we, we've kind of created, um, to some degree, a generation of consumers throughout each different cylinder or, or silo of, of church. I think mm-hmm. it's true of teaching and the true of worship because we've upped production values so much through technology and things like that that we've kind of created this experience where people will kind of sit back in their recliner and go, okay, get me excited about yeah. Jesus, right? Like, hey, make me feel something. And, and that's par- partly, that's the problem with with being too much about the experience anyways and not being enough about, Lord, I wanna worship you because you're worthy, not yeah. just because I wanna feel something. It's a very immature sort of standpoint of, I just wanna worship because I wanna feel good versus I wanna worship you because you're worthy. But I think we've, we've, tri- we've cr- tried so hard to create environments that make people wanna worship 
uh, which is nothing new. That's what they did when they made the church buildings that had the giant steeples and the beautiful built. You know, it was all about trying to elicit this feeling of glory um, of these sacred spaces. Right. But I wonder sometimes if we forget that what makes a space sacred is when all of the people are um, in one voice inviting the Lord's presence and declaring. Because I remember going to a conference. I won't say which one because it's controversial. But I went to this conference. It's kind of Pentecostal. But this person got up there and they were like, you know what? And it was like, it was like going to be awesome production value and everything was amazing. But before the lights even went off, it was like the big halogens were in this big building. Mm -hmm. No music, no lights, nothing. This lady gets up and she's like, you know what? We don't need any of that stuff. Everybody in here just to start inviting the Lord's presence, his manifest presence, start giving him praise and, and just start singing out praises and just start praying to the Lord and everybody in the whole, and you could only do this in a Pentecostal church if we did that. <laughs> at our churches, they'd be like, uh, what? I'll go get it's coffee. Um, <laughs> but everybody in there just simultaneously starts. It was just like a roar of like people just singing out, praying out, inviting the Lord. And I'm like super, I came from like conservative, um, cessationist mm-hmm. background, right? And so I was like, whoa, but I, I'm not kidding you. Like I was completely overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit and there was no production value. It was just like 5,000 people simultaneously giving praise to God all at, the, all at their own without any leadership even. And it wasn't like a, like it wasn't chaotic. It was just inviting yeah. And it, and it really it was a, it was a really um impressioning moment for me because it made me realize that what makes a worship service powerful is when everybody in the room is on the same page. Yeah. And what makes worship leaders good is not their ability to sing, it's their ability to make everyone feel like they're part of the same thing. And that's what's so great about Matt Redman, Chris Tom, these guys, is that they're not that good of mm-hmm. singers, honestly. Like, Matt Redman's not that good of a singer, he's a good songwriter. But what he has this ability to do is to wrap everybody into yep. the same moment where, where it's like you get a taste of heaven, and you're like, wow, we're all singing this song, and we all feel like we're part of God. God's work and glory and we're all united and 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 this is incredible. Yeah. That's the reason countries have anthems, you know? It's it's this there's a unitedness to that. Mm-hmm. Um and so I don't know, I just I just think that that is what we need to focus on. And production value is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. We're using production value in this in this moment in, in this podcast to communicate things. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, what makes something powerful is when God's people are in line with God's rule. Right. When it is in heaven, it is on earth as it is in heaven. Which um, the focus is on Him, the attention is on Him, the unity is in Him. Mm-hmm. You know. And I love Absolutely. the word you use, man. Our affection, our affection yeah. being poured on the Lord. That's like. The word for worship, right? What a cool yeah. way to express your affection, and I think we all know that with our, uh, with our, with our wives, with people that we love, right? Like telling them that we love them um, is part of our expressing that love, right? Like mm-hmm. it almost is fulfilling to tell them yes. that, yeah. um, and so such a joy in, in yep. worship and doing that for sure. Yeah, there's power in declar- in declaring truths. Like just speaking truths, I think actually brings the power of that truth into in, in a tangible way that I think is, uh, I'm not talking about word faith stuff or speaking the power, but there there's something about, like if you guys ever had a chance to share the gospel with a non-believer, and as you're speaking those words, the spirit's filling you. Yeah. And because you're speaking those words, you're like, wow, like I do believe this, this is true, this is mm-hmm. real, thank you, Lord, you know what I mean? Like it's a crazy, <laughs> and I think, I think we don't speak the gospel very often in the church, and worship is an opportunity for people to sing the gospel, speak the gospel. Yeah, totally. Look, side note, side note, I have to go on a tangent with that. Look, 
it's so often we feel like we're in these seasons of dryness and we're in a desert. And, and I've just heard people encourage believers like, hey, if you feel like you're in a desert, if you feel like you're in a dry place, like go preach the gospel. Totally. Right? Because I'm, right. I'm with you, Sam. Like some of the craziest moments I've ever had uh, where, where the, are those where I'm like telling someone about Jesus and I'm like, I don't even, I'm not saying this. Like, Sam, you can attest. I don't make sense 90% of the, my time, like 90% of the time I'm speaking. <laughs> I don't know about that. But when I, but that's why I love, like 95%. I love, <laughs> I love preaching or sharing the gospel because you know, like, wow, if I'm making sense right now, the yeah. spirits at work, bro. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it's such a rad thing. And that happens. You're right. When you're preaching and also when you're leading yeah. worship. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. how you know it's the Holy Spirit like moving through you. Cause I, for me, like, I will, as soon as I start, I will literally at the end of the conversation, I have no idea what I just said. Yep. Or I'm just like, like, hmm, I can't talk like that no Yeah. But that <laughs> person's like, oh my gosh, man. So encouraged by what you said. I'm like, really? What did I say? Cause I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, amen. Good stuff, you guys. Thank you so much for your thoughts, and I pray that this you know content will be helpful for for people. Trevor, so you're in a season of writing music. And mm-hmm. You're phenomenal. You're a phenomenal artist, dude. You write oh, amazing thanks, music. You're good. You're a good writer, and you have a great voice. Um, I've always thought that for like 15 years now. Um, so, how do people check out your music if they're interested? Do you have any things set up at this point? No, nothing is on <laughs> online yet. I'm, okay, you're done to me. Right, no. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm, I just I just finished <laughs> recording uh, four songs um, up north with my buddy Brandon. Okay, and uh, I'm going to be releasing Brandon B. Yeah, I'm going to release singles. Uh, hopefully, one here in August, and then. Uh, but if not, it'll be September, October, okay. November. How do they follow you? And I can put this up on the screen. Um, Instagram, just Instagram, Facebook, okay. just uh, Trevor Hanks. Yeah, Trevor Hanks on Instagram. Trevor Hanks music. Okay. On Facebook. Okay, sweet. Yeah, and Mitch uh, is at Heritage, so you can always tune in to the live stream and check out um, the worship. They got a great, great team um, and just, just phenomenal, phenomenal worship at Heritage. Um, and then we're here at Philippi, obviously, and you're on the, the YouTube channel here, so you can subscribe to that. And it's been a good time, guys. Thank yeah. you so much. Lord bless you guys as you lead and as you create music and as you give glory to God with your voices. We're just so thankful. And Father, we do thank you for worship and that we have this ability to express um, mm-hmm. these truths and realities in unity as a body, Lord, through the vehicle of worship. Uh, we pray for um, the church universally. Lord, we pray that we would um, grow as worshipers and that mm-hmm. will be what we will do for eternity is to express praise and thanks to you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Peace. Thanks, boys.